Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you can be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with free resources that can help you. For example, there are free quizzes you can take, including one that will tell you what might be standing in your way of finding love and another that will tell you what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her. There are free video tutorials you can watch that explain why women do the things they do and how you can navigate the frustrating world of lesbian dating with confidence, even if you're feeling lonely and desperate. There are free guides you can download to learn the secrets of how to avoid rejection, heal from heartbreak, and find epic lesbian love. And there's a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is available now on womenwantingwomen.com. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, Follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, if you love this podcast and want to help me reach more people, then spread the word by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, telling what you love about women wanting women and why you keep tuning in. And while you're there, subscribe and share it with a friend and let them know that hot lesbians are everywhere. But before we go any further, I have a question. Have you ever wished you could understand yourself and your reactions better? What if I told you there was a simple strategy you can use that lets your mind see itself so deeply that it could resolve your most triggering inner conflicts? Well, in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I talked to Arielle Donnay a somatic bodywork healer who spent the last three decades working with women on their mind, body, sensuality, sexuality, and deep healing. Just a heads up, this episode includes references to violence against women. You can learn more about Arielle at arieldonay.com, but before you do, stay tuned for all the wisdom and resources she shares with us here. Arielle. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I have been looking forward to having this podcast conversation with you for many, many years, and I'm mm -hmm. just beaming that we're doing it now. Yes, me too. So before we get started, can you just tell a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to do the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I started working with myself and women about 33 years ago. And it really stemmed from a process that I did with my mom. She was passing away 
and uh, she was relatively young. And so I decided to live with her in the hospital for about 10 months. And during that time, I really was able to walk with her through um, the dying process. And what happened for me was I realized I didn't know anything about her. You know, she was passing away. And what was birthing for me as she was dying was this real deep realization that a mother is not necessarily a human being if you don't put the time in getting to know them. So during that 10 months, I really spent some time asking her questions and learning about her. And she wasn't that open to share. Um, but the latter part of her life, she chose to partner with a woman. And um, that, that choice was made for various reasons. Um, but it was the right choice for her. And, and that choice allowed her to pass on to the other side uh, with a semblance of some sense of ease and forgiveness in her. So that really kind of started my journey on, on the path that I took. And then you went on from there to learn how to heal women much more deeply and yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I did from there was I started with my first bodywork teacher, actually. I worked, I studied with a Aikido master, a man, and I learned in a dojo in the middle of kind of a, a very countryside part of Petaluma, California at that time, uh, how to touch the physical body, but not just the physical body, how to touch the pain of a person with a lot of respect. So he was, uh, his name was Richard Strozzi Heckler, and he was my first bodywork teacher and somatic work teacher. And I lived with him for about three years. And from there, I went into more studies with other extraordinary teachers. I learned more about the body. I learned about trauma. I learned how the mind worked. I learned how the brain created synapses to remember our story. I learned how the heart and the brain synapses were connected. I also learned how the gut and brain synapses were connected. And then through these years of study, uh, I've learned how to first, first acknowledge a, a person's life's journey and that it's not easy to pretend that we forget it whatever we endured or went through, but then also how to heal and mend and um, create a kind of coherence in a person's mind and body. Can you define body work for anyone who hasn't heard the term before, what you're referring to when you speak about that? Mm, that's a good question, actually, and, and happily. Um, so probably depending on different people that you speak to in different fields of how people work with the body, uh, we might get different answers. But my definition is really from, you know, these 33 years of working with people. But essentially, the human body is this incredible tool that we use to express this life. 
And each organ holds a different emotional capacity. And then, of course, the brain is the hard drive that creates the synapses to remember or to have a story line. You know, each time we wake up in the morning, our brain has to re-engage in that storyline. So body work for me is, depending on who you work with, you know, ways of working within the body that helps to unfold the hidden story and then helps to heal the different elements of the body to the mind. Now, you know, the question of what is the mind? The mind is really how the brain, the heart, and the body holds a story and tells a story. So really mind exists everywhere. So body work is addressing mind and someone is addressing the mind. In a sense, you're addressing the body. So there's different ways of going into the body. You know, you could work through the eyes. You could work in acupuncture. You could work with Reiki off the skin. Or you can do what I do, which is work deeply into the body, the muscles, the tissues, the bone, the liquid. And those elements all hold the story of the mind. So body work is this incredible tool that has many facets to it. Well, everybody listening, I'm pretty sure, has a body. Yes. So what are some ways that everyone can start working with our bodies? What are some Mm -hmm. things we should know about it? How do we access this deep muscle and bone and liquid? And Mm -hmm. Well, knowing women well, you know, for women, what matters to us is that we feel connected. We feel seen. We feel understood. We feel met. Both mentally or spiritually or emotionally or in all elements. So when I work with women's bodies, I'm always on some level working around the heart. And so women who are at home, if they're doing practices by themselves, I would always start with practices that have to do with unfolding the story, the feeling, the emotions in the heart. You know, really the heart first. And once the heart can unfold those stories, then it's like everything else can make sense to us. The heart is like the central theme for so many women, connection. So when I work, like when I teach classes, which I do do and have for a long time, Many of the practices, the somatic practices, will start with the heart first. And the heart is the front of the body. So you have the ribs and the bones. And there's so many beautiful practices that you can do, like lying on a block, let's say a yoga block. And you open your arms out to your sides and you close your eyes. And you just allow these deep inhales and exhales and inhales and exhales into the heart. But the heart is also in the back. So if you put a block then you are opening the back of the heart as well as the front of the heart. And, you know, for anyone who is doing a home practice that is so simple, like putting a block, it's probably one of the most profound uh, connecting practices you can do that will help you find a sense of coherence 
and ease. And maybe, you know, putting the block behind the, the heart and opening the arms allows you to cry if you have emotions that you need to feel. And that, you know, you allow yourself to feel. Um, and then those tears can turn into a sense of peace or a sense of joy or a sense of feeling connected. And I think for all women, that's always a good place to start. It's so interesting how I think of restorative yoga when I think about the posture you're describing, just sort of being mm -hmm. placed and letting relaxation and gravity mm -hmm. do the opening. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to sort of be there. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, for, for a lot of women, the lack of doing is better than the doing because the doing kind of exercises different hormones, different mindset. But if we can allow the receptive element in, actually it's much, much more um, in some ways healing, restorative. I remember when I would see restorative yoga as one of the options when I belonged to a gym, as one of the classes I could go to, it almost seemed like the lazy one mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. some ways. But you call I like how you called it it's in, we should have I should have instead been using the word receptive because instead of the doing there are things we can have our bodies just sit and receive mm -hmm. what would you call it? receiving what how do you describe that go further with how you describe that I liked the word well I, I would say you know there's so many uh, aspects to receive like when we are in a receptive mode let's say again we'll take the exercise of lying with a block underneath the heart and we close our eyes and we're not in the doing aspect. Now we can pay attention with our awareness, the different elements of sensation. Maybe the back is tight or the gut is tight or something doesn't feel good. So with our awareness, we can connect to sensation and receive that we're not uh, possibly open. Maybe something wants to relax or to extend or something wants to come alive in us. And with our awareness, you know, we can receive that information. In, in many ways, I think a woman is more powerful when she's receptive to the various elements of herself and, and in the moment. And then she can interject if there's a movement or there's a shift of breath or there's a conversation to be had. Or there's an action to do, but first you have to receive the information. You have to be aware, aware and a witness to the information. Once information is received well, then it's like, okay, now what's my next, what's my next, you know, movement or conversation or action? Now, some people going through their their days would say to themselves, well, I am receptive. You know, I answer the phone or I answer, you know, when you're talking about receptive, what is that in contrast to for someone who mm -hmm. might think they are already doing that? What is it mm -hmm. specifically that you're pointing to just to make the distinction? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, we could be receptive to, like you said, the phone rings and we might pick it up, right? Or we could be receptive to the phone rings and I might not be in the right moment to be able to answer the phone. Like, let's say I know the person on the other end and I'm not ready for that conversation. So I could be receptive to the phone ringing 
but then I could be even more receptive to the fact that I might not be ready to have that conversation. I might be receptive to needing 15 more minutes or, you know, there's a variation of things that I could be receptive to. Or just even the fact that you're being receptive to your internal state before yes. automatically going Picking through the, the thing. Phone. So yeah, that's, exactly. that's interesting. It's, it's a receptiveness to where we're at and what we're feeling. Yes. And you know, I'm going to piggyback that with saying that I love to say that our emotional states and our inner world is a wealth of information. And that information is for us to utilize. It's kind of like taking a, a palette of paint, right? And you want to paint a, a beautiful picture and you have a hundred different colors. Well, all of our emotional states and all of the internal dialogues and experiences that we're having in any given time, we can focus our attention on the color red or the color blue or the color magenta, meaning we could focus on the dream we had last night and how it's right now helping us to see this moment in a different um, elements or different dimensions to that moment, right? So to me, and I'll say this, to me, you know, women use the right brain simultaneous as we use the left. So we're always having that God element firing as much as we're having the linear element firing. And the God element is, you know, the unknown. But when we pay attention because we're receptive to that part of ourselves, then in each moment we could infuse that moment with different layers than, let's say, just answering the phone. Right, because there's the task that we have to do, but then there's the unknown and the magic of all the possibilities that could always happen. And, and not only that, you know, I, I, I really see that women bring, you know, we bring dimensions to the moment. We're not just doers, <laughs> you know, we're not just answering the phone or doing the email or doing the tasks that we have to do. We're also aware and receptive and perceptive to the many realms that are occurring in, in, in any given moment, you know, not just within our own self and our own psyche, but for the other or the collective other. I think that's one of the gifts that women bring too, is this multidimensionality in our awareness to any given moment. So that was about receptivity and we were talking, it, we, we got to that because we were talking about restorative yoga and the heart practice and the way to start with the, the heart in the body. And I don't want to go too far away from that thread because I think you said the heart and connection is a central theme for so many women. Yes. So tell us more about that. Well, when I work with women, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or, in, or in group settings, you know, the thing that I'm always aware of is we start to feel pain when we lose connection, whether that's connection to our own heart, connection to our own body, connection to our own sensations, connection to our own thought process, or that's connection to the other person, whether it's a family member, our partner, uh, co-workers, friends, 
you know, for women, connection really is the predominant theme. Once connection is established, whether it's within ourselves and or outside, once that connection is established, then the doing becomes fun or interesting, right? So if I have to, you know, write emails or I have to do my taxes or, you know, get heavily involved in a doing process, if I'm not feeling connected, then the whole thing goes down. You know, it's very hard for me to do it. But when I am connected, then it just becomes part of life. Like, of course, it's the tapestry of how I engage in my day. So I feel that, you know, women being in connection primarily with themselves first in a deep sense of resonance with their heart, with their values, and then, of course, in connection with the ones they love, then life becomes so much more interesting, so much more creative, so much more productive. But without connection, and we just go through the day making ourselves do things, then life becomes pretty sad and bleak. And, you know, interestingly enough, over all these years of working with women, connection is always established first. It's always the thing that wants to be healed. Once that's healed, then I notice that, you know, women thrive and, and move forward beautifully. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had the experience of times when I was single and lonely and feeling yeah. just, just not feeling like I had a person or a tribe or a really good situation. I would say that it was harder to focus on the things that would move me ahead in my career and stuff. It was, it was distracting. Right. The part of me that wanted love, I couldn't focus as much on my tasks. Um, right. So when you talk about the taxes and how feeling connected, it, it makes it all easier. Are you, are you suggesting like when, when tax season rolls around, have a, a tea party with a group of your girlfriends and all sit together with your laptops doing the taxes? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. However, the caveat is this, you know, in order to concentrate, let's, let's take the taxes because it's such a great analogy. In order to concentrate, you can't be multitasking in speaking and focusing and connecting emotionally at the same time. It's really hard to be able to do one thing at a time when you need to focus deeply. So connection is like have a tea party, get really full, let your heart feel so much love, oxytocin moving through the body and then kiss everyone goodbye and then go and focus deeply on that one task so that you're not pulled in a multiple of directions. One of the gifts that we have is the ability to multitask, which is great because we can actually pay attention to our friend, to ourself, to uh, an email at the same time. But over time, it creates a schism in the mind if we don't then just drop the multitasking and we focus on one thing deeply. One does something biologically to the body and and the other does something else biologically to the body. And you want to be able to do both. But the overarching theme is always connection. So connection, then a task, right? Or a task, then connection. Or be connected within the task, but multitask when you need to and focus when you need to. And those are all very different, not just mentally, 
but also biologically. So it's like the tea party is what's sort of filling us up so that we have the fuel that we need to yes. focus focus sharply yes. on the tasks themselves. That's right. That's right. Like if you're just a, let's say someone's a lawyer and which I know this is what you do on the side. So you, let's say someone has to sit by themselves in front of the computer for long periods of time and they're going through very sophisticated text, right? And you're exercising the brain in a certain way. Well, that's awesome to do that for the duration of time. But once you're done, then you want to be able to shift and change and reconnect, reconnect to your own heart, reconnect to your own sensation, reconnect to uh, a conversation you might need to have with a friend or a, a family member, right? Um, reconnect to your food. If you're going to eat your meal, connect to the meal that you're eating. Don't just eat the meal, you know? So you know, to be able to go in and out. And when you're talking about these, a lot of what you're talking about there is just being deeply present, experiencing the sensations, yes, paying attention to the people yes. that you're in front of, loving, loving on them while they're there. Yes, yes, yes. You know, one of the things, and you know I've worked in New York City for a long time, so I understand city life very well. Um, but when we move at the speed of the city, we're really moving at the speed of mind that is not connected most of the time to sensation, emotion, and the deeper elements of ourselves. So slowing down and being present, more present within and without, without our, like to another person, is, is far more rewarding than just moving from A to B to Z to, you know, through our day, repeat, through our day, repeat. After a while, life loses its meaning. But with presence, connection, slowing down, paying attention, being receptive to ourselves in what we feel, what we notice, what we think, and being receptive to the other that creates a much more fulfilling uh, sense of meaning and uh, purpose, if you will, you know, to our lives. And I suggest for all women, you know, really prioritize connection first. And, you know, the first practice would be the moment you wake up in the morning before you do anything, you just slide your hands on your heart. Keep your eyes closed. Breathe in and breathe out with your fingertips right on your heart, right on the breast, breastbone. And allow yourself to feel what you feel. Just allow yourself to feel what you feel. And allow yourself to notice that you notice and notice what you notice. No judgment. Just be the one who's present. Spend two minutes, three minutes. Breathe in, breathe out. And then when you come out of bed or the next action that you do is going to move most likely you'll move more from a, a sense of being connected within as you roll out of bed or as you reach for the person in bed next to you there's always that i am 
here I am present. And from here I move into my day or into my morning. And based on what you said, it sounds to me as though no matter where we are in the day, if we pause and touch our hand slightly to our heart and take a deep breath and notice, can we, based on what you said, also then have our next action absolutely come more from a sense of connection from within? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, throughout the day and then the last thing at night, even if you're sleeping next to someone or if you have an animal in your bed, you know, the last thing you do is you make that connection, hands to your heart, as you close your eyes and allow yourself to drift. When you do this every day, morning, night, night, morning, morning, night, and then a couple times throughout the day, after a while, there starts to you start to develop a language that you have with the one that you are always with, which which is yourself, which is ourself. Once you have that language, once you have that trust, then how you move through relationships outside of us, outside of you, becomes so much more in an, in alignment of, you know, your deeper values. I think that all human beings really value connection, human connection, care for one another. You know, it's so interesting because we might think we are connected to ourselves, but the truth is most of us throughout the day, if we were to pause, I know that when I whenever I pause to take a deep breath and focus and refocus for a minute, it always feels so surprisingly good. And I mm -hmm. ask myself why I don't do it more often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say, you know, in, in your defense and in, in our defense, you know, we are moving at the speed of thought. You know, the world has gotten so fast a hundred years ago. It was so much easier, you know, just to pause because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have apps on ourselves as we do today you know everyone is just pulled oftentimes away from the self into technology and then you know how we drive on the road i live in new mexico sometimes and you know the speed at which people drive here is different than the speed of la i was just in la you know if you're not moving 85 85 miles per hour or 90 you're in people's way you know so there's the speed again in that speed, it's easy to disconnect. But when you come back to slower ways of moving, slower ways of getting up, sitting down, considering a question, allowing ourselves not to know in each moment, and then allowing ourselves to engage, that becomes so much more nourishing than just moving at the speed of speed for the sake of keeping up whether it's on the cell phone, the car. What's so funny about the speed of keeping up and the speed of life is I think when we're caught in it, it's easy to think that that's where the action and the power all is. But mm -hmm. confidence is slow, as a very wise friend of mine once told me. Yes. And the more I can slow myself down, it's, it's something I've learned a lot from podcasting actually, 
-hmm. is listening back to my own interviews Mm -hmm. at how oftentimes I'm speaking fast because of a sense of, I don't want to say nervousness because it's, it's more just a, um, like an anxiously trying to get my ideas out almost from Mm -hmm. a place of fear that I won't get them out or that I won't get them out right. And the more I listen to myself, the more I, in that moment, I wish I could go back to me in that moment and just pause to take a deep breath. And, mm-hmm. and I learned from my guests too, because as I edit these podcasts, a lot of my guests are speaking far more slowly than I am. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I almost wish I could have been syncopated with them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as I, as I alluded to earlier, that our emotions are part of the palette of, of our humanity and so if we move only just at one or two tones of speed, we will miss and not allow the palate to also be part of our expression. You know, communication is both the words that are said, but it's also the music behind the words and that people receive that too. So if we're moving super fast okay, we can do it now and then, but if it's an everyday event, then people don't get to know us because they can't hear the music behind the words, and we don't get to know us because we can't feel the music behind the words. You know? So speed for some things could be taxes, (laughs) and then slow it down for some things when it has to do, especially with relationships. And, and being able to have that versatility. And being able to have that versatility, exactly. Right. I want to stay on the topic of the body because I know once we get to the mind, given um, your background, there's going to be just as much to say about that as everything else. But mm-hmm. what are some other really valuable practices mm-hmm. that anyone anywhere can take on for themselves? I loved I love the ones you've shared so far. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, and especially for for women too, because again, our biology based off of our chromosomes makes that our mindset, we tend to orient slightly differently. So I would say for women to do squats, not squats that you do in the gym. So different kind of squat at home. Let's say you hang your head forward, like a, a forward bend and you slowly roll down your spine Count five to ten breaths, really take your time. Once you're hanging down, yeah, once you're hanging down, then what you want to be able to do is slowly bend your knees and then keep bending your knees until either your heels come off the floor or they don't, depending on someone's uh, hamstrings. But you want to do a deep squat all the way down. Keep your head hanging down and take some breaths there. Really feel through the thighs and the hips and the pelvis. And then slowly straighten the legs, keeping your head hanging down. And breathe a few times and feel the power surge through your thighs. And I would do like anywhere from 5 to 25 squats, just like that. Heads hanging down the whole time. Nice deep. Bend in the knees, whether the heels come off the floor or not is is fine. Breathing into that. 
and then slowly straightening, keeping the head hanging down. If you did a series of this, what this does is that it allows the noise of mind to slowly quiet. And when the blood pumps through the thighs and the hips and the uterus, it brings our tone of voice deeper, brings our attention, maybe even slower in the body. And if there's any frustration, um, you know, annoyance, irritation, all the way to anger, any of those flavors, it's a way to work it out. It's a way to go, okay, I'm not going to get angry at that person or myself. I'm just going to do these squats. Once I'm done, there'll be the sense of ease and acknowledgement. You could even lie down from there onto the floor, open your arms and legs, kind of like a starfish, and just allow yourself to receive the energy that's moving through the body. Again, it could be irritation, it could be frustration, it could be anger, or it could just be absolute sheer joy that you did this. <laughs> but connecting to the thighs, connecting to the hips, allowing the blood to flow through the uterus, into the lower gut belly, into the thighs, can down-regulate your hormones, your nervous system, so that on the other side of that practice, there's this deep sense of receptivity to a fresh moment. Sometimes if I did this, let's say 25 squats, right? Head down, I'm not thinking, I'm just breathing through it, right? And then when I lie down and open my arms, I just feel like these well, wells of tears or wells of laughter or just this clarity that comes through me. And I'll lie there for 10 minutes before I move. And then once I roll over and find myself standing, it's like, wow, I'm in a completely new, clear clean moment with myself and and this moment see one of the things i just want to add when you asked about the body since i work so much in the body is that the body holds everything so what happened to us in vitro to now the body holds everything every part of our story is there depending on the series of practices or the touch body work we get, can open and elicit the memory of those stories, emotions, reactions. The more we clear out the body, the more we allow the body in these practices or touch, the more clear we become. More clear of mind, clear of thought, clear of intention. I love so much your description of these squats because so much of us, again, moving at the speed of the mind, if we think about squats, most of the time we're thinking about doing it for the sake of exercise. And I love your description about just kind of churning up the juices in the body and releasing right. energy in the body just for the sake of doing it and then lying there 
just to experience those juices and the that energy that you've just you know worked up inside of yourself and it's it's less about exercise and more about as you said I guess connection to self and Mm -hmm. such a different approach to Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. it I'm a big proponent of like, if I need to go to the gym, I'll go to the gym, but I understand that I'm doing it for like, maybe my heart rate or, you know, for my left, right brain connection, right? But then if I really need to do practices to connect to myself, to drop in, to find my presence, I won't do those kinds of practices. That's where I go to slowing everything down doing a practice for the sake of feeling it, for the sake of experience, the sinews, the bones, the liquids, you know, all of the body, which then allows the emotional flavor, if there's emotions in there, which can allow then, you know, any resistance or any um, reactions that I may have been stuck in for the last week or day, right? To allow a practice to engage in practice for the sake of going into the body, into the mind, into the emotions. That has a whole different set of, you know, um, outcomes, let's say, than going to the gym to run to, you know, get my heart rate up or to, you know, work on the body in a different way. These are apples and oranges, not at all the same thing. Yeah. It's so interesting. Are there any other practices that you can recommend in this sort of a vein that anyone anywhere could could access for themselves? Yeah, I would definitely suggest, you know, one of my favorite practices, I always like the simple ones. And just for those of your audience to know, I teach a lot. I, I teach a lot and work with a lot of women and actually groups in different parts of the world. So uh, when I say simple I say from a context of really working with people for a long time. So one of my other favorites is lying on my back, extending my legs up towards the ceiling. Whether my knees straighten or not is almost irrelevant. Keeping my eyes closed, arms out to the side, kind of like flying an airplane or you know, extending out like airplane wings. And with nice full breaths, really feeling my lungs as I breathe in and I breathe out, I would bend and twist and move my feet, my ankles, my toes in different directions. This is a way of opening up the brain, the jaw, the eyes, the bones in my whole cranium area, which is all the toes, my neck, my shoulders, which is the uh part of the the bones that go up in from the toe up into the top of the toe down into my heart my lungs my pericardium which is the sac around my heart down into my solar plexus you know the foot holds every single part of the body so as you do these beautiful slow twisting and moving of the feet and toes you're really allowing your nervous system to be worked from the cranium the brain all the way down to your hips pelvis down into your ovaries down into your uterus if i did this like 
do two minutes up, breathing heavily, moving my feet, extend my legs down, rest for a minute, just breathing, and then bringing my legs back up. I did this two or three times, and then rest at the end. And again, when I roll over and ready to sit up, my entire brain would be in a completely different place. I would be more quiet. I'd be more intentional. I would feel so much more vitality from my brain all the way through my body. And again, I might have had emotion. Sometimes I'll have tears just move from my eyes, from my heart up to my eyes, so that when I'm done this practice, I'll just feel so fresh and anew. I would suggest that for everyone. <laughs> Reflexology is so powerful and it's a good reminder how much we all have access to with our own selves. Like anyone can, like you say, just stick our feet up in the air and wiggle them around with intention and just keep doing it for longer than you, you think. That's right. It's uh, wow. It's a great idea. It made me want to give myself a great foot massage and also of course do the exercise you were saying. Mm -hmm. I love all of this. Are there more things to focus on with the body or do you want to, I know, you know, the way you work with the mind and Byron Katie's work and all that stuff is mm. such an integral mm -hmm. part also of, of what you do with women. Well, I'll say this too, you know, just to answer, because let's go into the Katie, the inquiry work, because it actually connects right back to the body. Everything will loop back to the body. So in the inquiry work, which is, you know, Byron Katie had this event happen to her about 30, 35 years ago, where she understood or realized that her mind and the story that her mind was saying was dictating her mood, her emotion, and her, the way that she saw, you know, her daughter or her son or herself, right? So Something happened where she realized this at a profound level. And then through the years, these series of questions have come to her and they were documented. All the questions were written down. And so I, the work that I do is heavily and, and very inspired by her work. The, the mind, as I said earlier, is not just in the brain. The mind exists in the heart. It exists in the gut. It exists in the solar plexus. It, in fact, it exists everywhere. So if, let's say, I am, let's say, chronically angry, as an example, right? I can locate the thought, whether it's a thought of now or a thought that happened 20 years ago. I could locate that thought and work with my mind in these series of questions in such a way that my mind starts to see itself. My mind is in my heart. My mind is in my solar plexus. My mind is the story that, that I randomly or not so randomly keep telling, right? So I let my mind look at itself beautifully in the silence and the stillness of these questions when you work and allow the mind to see itself so thoroughly the release or the experience on the other end is like something lets go because mind is seen 
it's seen by itself, meaning it's not someone telling me what I should think or what I sh- how I should see myself or how I should change. No, it's like my mind starts to answer itself. And once I do this deeply and thoroughly on the other end, it's like this, this understanding comes, which means my heart has to soften, you know, or I feel this tension in my solar plexus in the beginning of, of, of letting my mind see itself deeply. And at the end, I feel my solar plexus have completely released and I'm just in this awe of like, wow, I can now see my mind is seeing itself so fully that I'm no longer gripping in my solar plexus. I'm no longer anxious or I'm no longer angry at that person or myself. So the mind and the body, it's intrinsically connected, but you have to be able to pay attention and to notice the subtlety to this or not so subtle, right? And what's so great about these questions that you're referring to is there's only, what, six of them, five, seven, and they're all really simple and they're all available online at, what is it, thework.com or something like that? Thework.com. She makes it really easy. Actually, the moment you go on her site at the upper uh, right-hand corner, she's got a, a big tab that says download. And you click on that tab and it has all the questions. It's six questions. There's also uh, some different worksheets. There are these beautiful emotion sheets that I I love. There is a a negative, quote unquote, all our reactions that are, you know, anger, frustration, pain. And then there's a positive, quote unquote, where it's joy and ease and um, self-responsibility and boldness and clarity and working those worksheets from her site if you know how to you know guide yourself through this again it's like working with a palette of colors that we're born with right getting to know this one deeply is is very touching and very satisfying so yeah you can go to the work.com and find the papers there And it's so great because, as you say, it's a way that our mind can see itself. It can see the picture it's creating and the way that it's getting in the way. Exactly. And the way you said, you know, it's like locating that thought, whether now or in the past, that thought's doing something. Exactly. It's coloring our whole world and it might not even be true. That's right. It might not even be true. And it might even be true. But still, if we can let the mind see itself so thoroughly, it might be true. And at some point, peace can still arise, right? Like we can't change the world. We can't change others. That person may or may not be X, Y, Z, but it becomes irrelevant to my pain or to my story, right? Peace is so much better to live with whether this person changes in our life or not. Yeah. Peace is so much better than. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Well, okay. So the great thing about Byron Katie's work is that anyone can access it and learn for free online, how to use these worksheets and almost every powerful person in the self-help space that I know Mm -hmm. does has at some point or another done this kind of work. But despite that, all of 
this information is available for free and I highly recommend people check it out. I know that you bring your own unique flavor to it and you have your own way of working with mm-hmm. working with the work. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you have to say about it that, you know, that isn't just generically available on YouTube right now. Well, how I, you know, like how I do the work because I am somatic trained, meaning I've learned my first teachers were body work teachers, you know, 33, 34 years ago. Plus, I've, I've, I've um, held women's groups and women's circles in different parts of the world. So I've really learned through the body, through the emotions, through our reactions about how to be with ourselves and work with ourselves. So with the Katie work, Byron Katie's inquiry work, I really slow it down. So I take my time in a- asking the questions And oftentimes I'll infuse somatic practices that allows a person to connect with their emotional body so that they can feel what they feel versus just conceptualize their emotions. Not saying that that's all that people do, but in my work and how I do it, because I'm somatic trained and uh, body work trained, I slow it all down so that the emotions come alive. It's not so conceptual, it's experienced, you know, if it's sadness or uh, pain or um, anger or any of the emotions and reactions that we tend to have, I give a lot of time to that. Even if I worked on Zooms, you know, with, with clients, I will, my Zooms are three hours, so I don't zip through an inquiry session it's one session is three hours and sometimes a person is working with their emotions for an entire hour or two depends on how long a person needs to really meet and contend with this part of themselves um so i take my time you know i think maybe that's one of the big distinctions and again the emotional aspects are important um to me in how I guide and and lead inquiry work. I also find that oftentimes, you know, people struggle so much with the fact that they react. You know, they struggle with their emotions. They They judge like I shouldn't feel angry or I shouldn't feel, um, jealous or I shouldn't feel uh, blocked, but we do feel it. We do, you know, the mind body does feel those things. So when I lead inquiry, I take the time and honor these different reactions. Over time, that person, when they work in this way, that narrative of I shouldn't feel this or there's something wrong with me because I feel this, that whole narrative just disappears. It just becomes like, wow, I get to feel this velocity that I might call anger in this moment, but I might call complete excitement in the next moment. (laughs) I get to feel. 
I was going to ask you that question because you're talking about slow it down, but then you're pointing to sadness and pain, which a lot of people want to avoid and rush away from. Yes, exactly. And you're actually now also talking about the privilege of feeling deeply and that Absolutely. what you might have thought was sadness or pain, if you really dig in, can become what you're describing as exhilarating. Exactly. And, and, and what I have found over these years with myself included is that Wow. When I can meet my emotions so directly, just like, yes, bring it. Let me let me notice how am I reacting? And I always use that beautiful sheet from from Katie's site, always. And I can name my anger in 10 different ways or 15 different ways and see how it shifts into the flavor of sorrow or sadness. Right. And then see how it shifts into other flavors. There is so much joy to me in the experience of noticing the nuance of these different reactions and emotions that after a while, let's say I'm in a real moment with someone and I feel anger, right? It's like, woof, I feel heat rise up the front of my body. But let's say I'm having a conversation with you, my friend, and this rage or this heat, right? It raises up in me, but I love you. And I love me. Well, then in that moment, it's not a problem. It's just an experience that I don't have to hide. I don't have to go somewhere and close the door because I think I'm a problem, right? It's like, no, life is moving through me and the flavor of it is warm, wet, face gets red, you know, and passion happens in my voice, right? And you, as my friend, you get to witness life as it's happening in that moment. And there's no need to judge it. It's how we share that moment together. I love it. Um, speaking of things we share together, uh, as you were speaking, it reminded me of one of the best lessons you ever taught me that I take okay. with me actually often. Mm -hmm. You taught me I guess I had been telling you something I regretted about my personality or a way I act that I'm not proud of. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember coming to you with this part of myself that I was, that was feeling vulnerable about. And what you said was, that's mm -hmm. what life is for. You know, we, we, we show up every day and we fuck it up. And then it's just the next day we go mm -hmm. and try again. And whenever mm -hmm. I find myself fucking up, <laughs> I tell okay. myself that's what life okay. is for. We try, we fuck up, that's what and we try for. again. That's right. That's right. That's 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 so right. It's been so big. Do you think it's worth it to dig into what some of the questions are? Because we've sort of been re re uh, referring to this worksheet without sort of saying what's on it. It's so simple. Sure. Let me actually grab my heaven right here. So. So there's a few layers to the inquiry work, and I would highly suggest that if you're interested, those of you who are listening, go to her site, uh, thework.com, and again, on the upper right-hand corner, there's a big icon that says download. Click on that, and in there, there's several pages, and go to the one that says Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. This is six questions. They're perfect. The first question is, in this situation, who angers, confuses, saddens, or disappoints you, and why? Right, because it's like we come to the work, we're having a moment, right? We have a thought, 
and it's unpleasant in some way. We're, we're agitated, we're frustrated, and usually it has to do with some other person. That's why I say judge your neighbor, right? There's someone who's pissed us off for some reason, right. and now this is a tool that anybody could use to dig in and do some deep healing just based on whatever it yeah. is that's pissing you off right in this moment. There's nothing you can't work with with this worksheet. Nothing. And what's really great about these first six questions, if you just, let's say you just were to answer the questions, meaning you're just going to put your thoughts on paper, right? Sometimes just putting your thoughts down on these, on these six questions, you could put the paper down and sit back and feel this sense of like, wow, I just organized my thoughts. And that alone can feel so empowering. You know, it's not like my thoughts are just now running everywhere. I can't seem to, I'm pissed off. I'm, I'm not pissed off. It's their fault. It's my fault. It's their, you know, this back and forth. But when you sit down and just say, okay, I'm going to answer these questions. Let me just write it out, right? Then it's like, wow, I could just organize my thoughts about that person or about myself or about the situation, right? And then from this organized place, now... I can start to take something, one of these thoughts, and work with it deeply. Yeah. So that's what's so great about these six questions is you don't even have to go in and learn more about Byron Katie's work. You could just literally download the worksheet nope. and, and just answer exactly. them literally. Start. So wait, we do. The first question is we're, we're picking someone that's upset us in some way. Well, let me back up. First, you want to write the Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. And that's where the six questions, and these are, you know, I read the first one, which is in this situation, who angers me, right? And why? The second question is, in this situation, how do I want them to change, right? I have an arrogant mind. I could say, you know, they should be kinder or, or they should tolerate me or whatever, right? Then there's a third question. In this situation, what advice would I offer them? So I would go down these six questions. Once I've done this, right, then at the bottom of the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet, she has four questions to ask. Now, what I would do is I would take one of from these six questions. You can't do all six at once. You take one from these six, one that is like, if you could give it from a number of one to 10, how much does this sentence really irk me? Take that one that's a 10. Write it on a separate piece of paper. So let's say the sentence is, you know, I'm angry with so-and-so because they dismissed me, right? If that's a 10 for me, I'm bothered at a 10. Take that, I'll write it on another piece of paper so I can just separate it out. And then I would go down to her four questions. And the first one is, is it true? Right. So, so-and-so dismissed me. Is it true? Such a great question. Right. Right. Did it even happen? Because the way we're interpreting the world doesn't always mean that we're right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So did it even That's happen? Right. And that question, did it even happen? Right. And sometimes I could be on that question for you know, 30 seconds to two days to a year, like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Did it even yeah. happen? Is it true? Is it true? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll hang out there for as long as I need to. Yeah. Did she dismiss you or was she just picking her nose? Right. 
Exactly. Right. Right. Or or did she dismiss you or was she just really upset about something else that happened in her day and she was thinking about that? You know, her mother's sick or she's her her kid is 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 having problems or her marriage or you know, we don't know. That's right. Why a person does what they, they what we're taking personally could often have nothing to do with us. That's right. That's right. And even in that moment, let's say, you know, she whoever she is, you know, she had her own thing going on. And let's say in that moment, you know, I felt my child or something like my, my mind went somewhere else. Right. And in that moment, I might say she dis dis dismissed me, but if I slow down enough and I can really look at myself I might say, oh, wow, in that moment, I was actually distracted and my attention went somewhere else. But my go-to was that she dismissed me, right? So the question, did she or didn't she, is a beautiful question. We really get to slow down. But sometimes the answer is decidedly yes. You know, uh, for example, you know, I'm I'm mad at, at, at this person because they hit me, you know, then they, yes, they definitely hit me, you know? And so what are some of the next questions? Because sometimes the answer is just, yes, it did happen. So what I love about this second question, which is, can you absolutely know that it's true, right? The first one is, is it true? And then we say yes or no, and we weigh that out. We weigh that out. And then the next question is, can I absolutely know that it's true? Now my brain gets to really weigh it out because the absolute, the word absolutely makes me go, huh, let me see. Let me really see. And sometimes it's yes, I can absolutely know she hit me, right, if that was the sentence. And then I would go into the next series of questions. How do I react? What happens when I believe she hit me? When my mind goes, yes, she hit me, and it's absolutely true, she did. Now, now the journey becomes a lot about myself and how I'm reacting. And this is where Katie has this great sheet. It's called how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And that's your list of emotions that you love? Yeah. And these are the list of emotions that I absolutely love. I think everybody should have this by their bedside. <laughs> You've sent it to me several times. Yes. <laughs> you really believe in it. Because I guess it is sometimes where we take for granted that we know how we feel in any given moment, but we might not. And it's not only like, it's, it's you're right. And, and, and just to say this, like, we sometimes use words like angry or sad or depressed, right? Well, there's nuance. Sometimes it's like revengeful or, or swearing or condemning or bitter or loud or, or critical, right? Yeah, vengeful and, and, and all that. Th- that makes sense if we're talking about something really extreme. A lot of people, I'm sure, listening have experienced a lot of harm from another person. And sometimes. You know, traumatic things. It's, yeah. But I would also say sometimes it's not even so extreme, you know. It could be that maybe 20 years ago, let's say I was on the schoolyard and something happened to me, right? And I never resolved it. And now 20 years later, there's that theme of that thing that just keeps happening. And today I'm just bitter, right? 
or critical or mean, right? I could say, or the mind could say, well, I shouldn't feel mean. I shouldn't feel critical. Nothing's happened in my life that I feel that way. Well, it's not so much about I should or shouldn't. It's more about that I do. If I do, then I do. And that's enough. It's enough to say, yes, I do. Why? Where's the story coming from? I don't know, but I do. I feel critical. I feel mean. When I can say that and feel that, and by the way, I suggest to your audience, if you're listening, write this stuff down. Whenever I do my own worksheets, and I've been doing this for a long time, I always write this down. So I have a notebook. I write everything through. The more you write, the more your mind anchors and you can see that you can see. So if I'm going through the emotions list, my aim is to notice that I notice and that is good. No judgment. It's that I notice. Now, on this sheet that your audience can't see, I'm holding it up. I don't know how many emotions there are. I'm going to say, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to say 50. Might be more, might be less. Sometimes I'll go through this entire sheet and realize that I have felt every single one of these in any given moment. And just the acknowledgement of this on paper with my awareness, sometimes I'll just put my, my work down and I'll just face my day and feel so at peace because I allowed myself to notice that I notice. So powerful. Again, it comes back to connection. I am connecting to the fact that I notice that these emotions have their way sometimes in me and they sometimes need to be paid attention to. So I can't, you know, I love this question. She really loves How this question. Like, she really, really <laughs> does. As her friend, I can tell you, she loves this question. <laughs> she loves that, that Know Your Emotions worksheet. <laughs> yes, I think everybody should have this and, and work with this, you know, get to know ourselves deeply. Yeah. And then on the other side, you know, there's a few more questions in Katie's work. But then there's this other question, number four, which is, who would I be without that thought? Now, this question requires a lot of stillness. It's not, the question isn't saying I shouldn't have that thought. And the question isn't saying that person shouldn't have done what they did. That's not what the question is saying. The question is inviting the mind to ask the question sincerely. Okay, so this happened. I have this thought. I've had these reactions. My body has gotten hot, cold, angry, tight, you know, cried, whatever my reactions are. But who would I be without that thought? You know, like, wow. What would my life be like if that event happened, but that thought didn't grab itself in on myself? And then on question number four, she has a whole myriad of beautiful um, states of being, like 
graceful or cooperative. If I didn't have that thought, how would I be cooperative? My friend slapped me in that moment, or maybe, you know, my mind went to something else and, and she slapped me. And if I was cooperative, maybe I would stop and ask her, are you okay? Because slapping me, I know it's not what you would ever want to do. You know, so if I was cooperative, I could ask her a question. Or if I was resourceful, again, I could put my arm around her or I could engage in a dialogue, right? So um, there's understanding, there's empathetic, there's affectionate. There's so many words on this list. And I highly recommend this for everybody as well. And so when you're saying, who would I be without that thought? Are you going back in time to that moment when you got slapped? Mm -hmm. I am. So, it, so it's sort of, I didn't realize that. It's sort of, it's not a who would I be without that thought in this moment now. But if we transport ourselves back to that moment in time. That's right. And give us the chance to have reacted differently when the thing affected us originally. That's right. That's right. Like, I'll take an example for myself that really happened. This is a real event. When I was a young girl, I was uh, I was held up by a group of males. And I was held up for a few hours. And there was a lot of violence that happened to my body. And when I had to go through this worksheet, I did this worksheet, this theme, this particular event, Many, many times, because each time when I engaged in these questions and I arrived at the question, who would I be without that thought, I would have to close my eyes and re-see the event, the chain of events that happened, right? Now, my mind would say, yeah, but that happened. And so I wouldn't be anything but angry or upset or, you know, hurt or betrayed. But when I really allowed myself to go into, yeah, but if I didn't have that thought and I was fully present in that moment to that experience, then what unfolded for me was free. How would I be free in an instant that was really difficult? Well, my awareness would be free in that moment. You know, my, my sense of, I am would be free from the violence that was happening to the body. Now, to some of the listeners, that might not make sense. But when you visit this situation deeply and you allow mind to wonder, who would I be without that thought? And if I could be free, or if I could be interested, or I could be receptive, or I could be kind, or I could be connected, I would notice in detail a side of me that I couldn't have accessed when I was only in the reaction, when I was only in fear or pain in that situation, right? So it's always important to go back to the situation, let the mind steady itself, and then be really genuinely curious to this question, who would I be without that thought? Now, I will add this. When you do it like this, and you genuinely allow these states of being into you, 
now it's like you're you're changing the molecular structure of your own heart you know it's like even of my own in the past i had a lot of wounds in my body from that event that happened those wounds are all gone you know they're even gone in my eyes you wouldn't even know that these events happened because when you allow these states of being in it's like you change literally the foundation of how you vibrate from the emotional level reaction level bio, biological level mental level spiritual level everything changes now for me, I had to do this event many times to really see these nuances. And today, I'm completely free. You know, I've absolutely forgiven these men at that time that did this. And I hold nothing in my body, even. The body has let it go. And in the beginning of this conversation, I said that the body holds everything we ever experience. Well, today my body doesn't hold this story anymore. Is the memory there? It's faint. You know, it's faint. But I don't, it's, nothing's holding it anymore. And what's so interesting about it is you didn't get to this point by avoiding the thought. You went, you, you got to this point by, it sounds as though you went back to confront the moment over and over again with different options for how you could have internally reacted and yes. how you could have brought yourself differently into that moment yes. reminds me a little of Viktor Frankl are you familiar with his work at all no I don't know him just the idea he, he was a, a holocaust survivor who taught about how ultimately the one thing we always have control over is the attitude we bring to any situation right yes right and and I'll add this you know not to dismiss anyone who might be listening and struggling with something when I, how this process really thoroughly worked for me was going through all of her questions, especially question number three. Again, like I said a moment ago, how did I react was important for me. Like I needed to really document that I was terrorized and I was tiny inside and I was shut down, right? I had to go through this so thoroughly to then be able to genuinely see, okay, if I didn't believe that thought, who would I be? If I didn't walk myself through question number three. Some, and question number three is, is or just remind me which one number three is. How, how do you react? What happens when you believe this thought? If I didn't go, do this thoroughly, some part of my mind would have been resentful that I was asking myself to forgive so fast you know question number four is who would I be without that thought some part of my mind would have been like yeah right <laughs> you know how can I forget this situation that happened to me right the most you know? traumatic thing you ever had to live through what do you yeah what, I, I, I yeah. can't exactly so so I'm just saying that question number three how do I react? What does happen when I believe that thought? Really giving time to this was what helped me to get to question number four. I mean, I'm so sorry that any of this ever happened to you, but it's truly inspiring to hear that you were, you know, at, 
brought to the depths of the most awful thing anyone can probably experience as a human. And now you can say that you really healed yourself from it uh, using this work. And yeah, yeah, it did. And, and it actually is, is part of the doorway of, of how come I work with people today. You know, it brought me a level of compassion and understanding, not just for the person who ex experiences these events, but like the cosmology of how do these events get created in the first place, right? Like me, them, the other, the culture, the family. It, it, it's brought a lot of compassion and understanding for me of, of how we got to where we are. None of it is to be dismissed. And all of it is worthy of spending time to really excavate and meet that part of ourselves. On the other side, there's always wisdom and there's always love. It's um, it's really inspiring to to have this message that no matter what a person's been through, there is healing available to them, no matter who they are. Yes. Um, do you believe that that anybody in the world can heal themselves? Yes. You know, from a traumatic event like that, and clear their body and their soul, like yes. their body and their spirit, the way you have. Yes. Yes, I do. And just to say about the inquiry work, it does, it's a practice, you know, it does take something, meaning if, if you decide to go this route, take your time and, and if you get frustrated, because at times it could be frustrating, especially in the beginning, it's okay. It's okay. Try again, you know, go back to the questions again. Like I said, I've done certain events in my life many times to be able to fully, 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 fully become free, right? So, yes, anybody can, and it's a practice. You know, the first time I got on the bike and you got on the bike, we fell down for sure. <laughs> so we had to get on a lot before we could balance the bike but we also had to believe that bike riding was possible yes. and i think it can be easy when people have been through unimaginable things yes the idea of healing from that and i can understand i mean i haven't you know i've been very very lucky and blessed in my life and i'm so grateful that i've been kept mm -hmm. safe in the ways that i have but i know that that's mm -hmm. not everybody's reality and the it's it's hard to do the work and put in the practice and do that stuff if you don't fundamentally believe deep down that healing that there is an outcome on the other end. Yeah, and I'll add this piece, you know, that uh, just just for anybody who's listening, that find a teacher. There's someone in your town, you know. There's someone nearby. Find a teacher or listen to even Byron Katie's podcasts, you know. But find someone that can help guide through the difficult, uh, maybe learning curves of this. And then once you get it, again, it is like riding a bike. Then you can start to realize, oh, wow, I've got this. I could do this. I can heal myself. But in the beginning, you know, no shame in finding someone to sit beside you and 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 guide you through the, the first uh series of, of inquiry or if it's body work series of body work you know a reflexologist an acupuncturist uh, anybody that can help 
find them and work with them. This is all such amazing advice. Are there other things that you just wouldn't want to end the podcast without sharing? Anything I should have asked that I didn't? Well, um, I would just say that at this time now that, you know, we've gone through a few years of challenges, I, I, I will, I'd like to say to everybody that I'm going to add this piece as a hobbyist, I'm an astrologer, so I love astrology. And astrology is basically where the planets are in the sky and how it's affecting ourselves personally and the collective. And astrologically speaking, over these last three years, we've had a lot of different astrological configurations that have happened. So if you have felt isolated, misunderstood, alone, not worthy, afraid, just know that some of this are influences that are occurring, that if we can tune in to even the knowledge that sometimes it's not just me <laughs> that's a mess or just me that's a problem, but to realize, oh, there's a collective stream that's also occurring and how do I find myself literally find my heart be connected to myself in the midst of the collective in the midst of whatever is occurring if you can do that again wake up in the morning with your hands on your heart connect who am I what do I feel notice that I feel feel what I feel Take some breaths in, breaths out. And then I move to my day. And at the end of the day, I connect again, right? Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's the collective. To know that difference, you know, I would just suggest to your audience to be gentle and kind to themselves, you know, as we move through this life together. Right, because sometimes what we're feeling is genuinely our own heart and our own emotions and our own experience, but sometimes what we might be feeling is some sort of collective energy being broadcast through all of us. Correct, correct. And what we think is our correct. own isolation or, or wrongness right. or loneliness is just right. uh, a vibration that's coming through all of us. That's right, that's right, and, and it's good to acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, not brush it aside, but go, oh, wow, okay, the collective is really going through something right now, and I'm part of it, and let me just, let me just breathe that, you know, awareness in. And make a little more eye contact with the people passing by. And make some more eye contact, exactly. Because <laughs> they're dealing with it, too. <laughs> exactly, exactly, they're dealing with it, too. This has been such a treat for me. Where can women go to learn more about you and the the, the classes you offer and the, everything you do? Wow, that's a good question. So just to let everyone know, I have taken a little bit of a hiatus in teaching classes. But this fall, I am doing a woman's retreat at a location called Menla. And that's Menla, M-E-N-L-A dot org. It is a Buddhist retreat center upstate New York, and I will be leading a retreat October 5th through 10th, and that is a full somatic, meaning lots of these beautiful body practices and inquiry work 
Some of it will have silence. Some of it will have writing. Some of it will have experiences uh, through music and then always using the body and the mind together. So that's, I will be doing that this October. And then I've got a website, arieldonay.com. And I don't really have anything offered on that site. I have these two beautiful videos you can go to and watch just some of the videos that happen in these retreats. And if you would like to work with me, you can also send me an email, my first and last name, Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, Donay, D-A-U-N-A-Y, at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, you are a treasure. I'm so grateful to be your friend. Me too. And <laughs> I'm so grateful for this contribution you made to my podcast. Thank you so much, Ariel. I love you. Thanks. I love you too. And thank you so much for inviting me, Jordana. It's wonderful to see you. Wonderful to see you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, don't forget that womenwantingwomen.com is packed with free resources that can help you build your confidence and have more success with dating. While you're there, you can book a one-on-one coaching session with me to get my personal support in finding the love you long for. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.